content warning. The episode of The Nanny we discussed this week includes a joke that could be interpreted as homophobic, and another that could be interpreted as transphobic. Hello and welcome to Out on Her Fanny, a podcast about the nanny. I'm Ben. I'm Mandy. And we're back from a little break. We had a little bit of a break to kind of romp around and have some fun and take a break after finishing the first season. You didn't break a lot. I did say break a lot because I enjoyed the break. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but now we are back. Yeah, we're back for season two. You you didn't you enjoyed the break. You didn't. It wasn't that you enjoyed not watching the nanny, right? Oh, of course, of course not. Even though the last time we talked, it was not about the nanny. It was about Star Trek, which yeah. I do love as much as the nanny. Maybe even more so. Maybe that's a dangerous line of thought. Nothing's better than the nanny. Shh, not on this podcast. <laughs> But we uh, we took some time, we had some fun. Mandy, what did we get up to while we were off mic? I mean, right now I took part in being high. Yeah, you've taken a, a weed. Yeah, the problem is, I'm sorry that this is becoming a weed podcast, but I feel like I need to give a heads up to listeners that the issue with me when I take weed is that it takes a very long time to process in my system. Like, I took some uh, about three, four hours ago. I will say this, it actually was not three or four hours ago. Was it not? It was it about feels like it was three or four hours two ago. Two or three hours ago. Okay, so that's and... a bit more, like, into it. <laughs> so let me tell you this. So we recorded a different intro for this podcast, but we live near an airport, and the there were so many planes going over that we said, why don't we, let's just pause this for, like, 30 minutes, and we'll come back and we'll start recording at the top of the hour, because clearly <laughs> this is the hour all the planes are going. And I spent 10 minutes working on a recolorized version of the album art for season two. The, the album art took me 10 minutes to do. I went on Tumblr and Mandy said, oh, you're just going to go on Tumblr? You're not going to record? And I said, well, we're going to record at the top of the hour. And she said, but it's been an hour. No, no, it hadn't been an hour. It had been 12 minutes, 15 at the most. It felt like an hour. Mandy was sitting on the couch looking at her phone convinced. I, I, was, I was exaggerating. It felt, but it felt like it had been at least like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, but you were, you were just astounded by how little time had passed. Yeah, that, that, that happened. Yeah. But we were, we, we, what we've been talking about before was going to Vegas with your dad. Your dad uh, was doing a little trip in Vegas and we drove out there to meet him. Uh, first time I've done Vegas for fun. I've only ever done it for trade shows. So it was nice to get out there and actually yeah. enjoy I've, ourselves. I've also only ever been for trade shows, but that trade show was pretty like, I got to also stay over there. So basically yeah. I would work the trade show during the day and then at night I would go out and see stuff. Yeah. But we did, we did a lot of fun things. We got to see the Taco Bell that sells booze. Yeah. And we got to eat foot-long hot dogs that were just a regular hot dog that had been stretched out, so there wasn't really that much meat on it. Um, very, very thin. It had been pulled like yeah, taffy. like taffy. It's a taffy dog. It was not great. Um, and we went to uh, a very special a very special spot in a Vegas. A very uni- unique uh, restaurant. A very, I, will, I will describe it as a unique dining experience. Yeah, yeah that's probably accurate. Uh, we ended up at an olive garden. It was an olive garden. It was a secret olive garden. Now, when we drove past it in the car on the way out, we did see the big signs on the side of the building. But when you're on street level as a pedestrian, you don't really see the signage for the olive garden. Yeah, basically, they have someone out there who has like the little cards, like, 
like the people who are trying to get you in a club, but it's just for the Olive Garden. Yeah. And then when you actually go, yeah, we want to go to the Olive Garden, which really means, yeah, we're drunk and have realized that we're hungry and do not want <laughs> to spend the next hour trying to decide. I'm like, maybe we'll go here. Oh, but that's a bit too far. To the left of us mm, is what, a Target. What to the you, right of us is a what Walgreens. Do you, what do you feeling oh we had we had thai the other night though so it's just olive garden yes Ooh, yeah um then you go up to the door and you say olive garden yes and I go are you are you sure, sure? It, okay okay all right just head in the elevator and press the button for the olive garden you get in the elevator and you press the button and the door open and they go and they say hi we say hi and they say table for three i guess and we said sure and they went all right, and they sat us. I will say this because I did get up to go to the bathroom at one point. This Olive Garden stretches deep. Mm -hmm. It just extends off into the horizon. I don't think I saw the back wall. <laughs> I think they could conceivably seat infinite families. Because obviously when you eat the Olive Garden, you're the family. But we sat down and we ordered our various carbonaras or whatever. And uh, you and your dad had very, very clearly drunk. I'm yes. not much of a drinker. The unfortunate thing is because I, I hadn't seen my dad in like two years at that yeah. point. I spent most of the time chatting with him and then realized everyone else was done with their food. It was like, oh, I guess we're, I guess but I should probably have the food. So I ate very little on that trip. Oh, no. Yeah, you did not have a lot. We did a lot of walking, though. Yeah, that's like food. It's like, it's like, it's like food. That's, that's the, your, your worst friend on Facebook, who is the Rebrogs, and he was like, running is like food. Uh, Some diet, there's like MLM shit. Cookies don't taste as good as skinny feels. Cookies taste fucking amazing, yeah, Sharon. And Get the does, fuck Skinny doesn't wall. feel like, skinny doesn't taste like anything. Skinny tastes like regret. That's what skinny tastes like. So yes, I'm thin, but at what cost? I could have had a lasagna, a whole Stouffer's lasagna to myself. I didn't have lasagna for a very long time because uh, I grew up with Stouffer's lasagna and it mm. just soured me on the entire concept. I feel the same way about cheesecake. I've told you my cheesecake story, right? No. So the cheesecake story is my cousin Andy, who is older than me, um, used to be a truck driver in the UK. And I believe he was a truck driver for a, I won't name the chain of uh, supermarkets in the UK, but it was a big chain. And so there were two occasions on which he stopped by the house and unloaded a truck's worth of food into my mum's big chest of freezer. The one occasion was really good because it was steak. It was just steaks and steaks and steaks. We got a lot of house renovations done and my mum paid for it with steak. It was good steak, good frozen <laughs> steak. And the other time was cheesecake, chocolate cheesecake. Chocolate cheesecake for dessert is a nice treat. Chocolate cheesecake for dessert twice in the same week. That's still quite nice. Chocolate cheesecake every day forever. No, thank you. No, I can't eat cheesecake anymore. To this day, I can't eat cheesecake. I lived with someone who worked in a cheesecake factory and would bring home cheesecake and would be upset and offended with me for not eating the cheesecake. I can't eat cheesecake. We got through a whole chest freezer full of cheesecake. I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. It's too much. Eat cheesecake again. What? Say cheesecake again. Cheesecake. 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 What do we do on this podcast? I believe we watched the 90s sitcom The Nanny starring Fran Drescher. Yes, as the titular The Nanny. She's the, she's the nanald. And uh, and then we talk about the show we just watched. Yes. So we watched, uh, as we've mentioned already, we're on season two in production order, broadcast order. So if you're watching this on the DVDs, this is season two 
episode one. It's called Fran Light. And if you are watching this on HBO Max, it too is season two, episode one. Uh, but you might be asking yourselves, hey, hey, why haven't you covered episodes 23 and 24 of season one? And the answer to that is uh, there's season two episodes. What are the names of those two episodes? Just out of curiosity. Uh, the playwright is episode 23. Okay. And A Star is Unborn is episode 24. That's interesting because the playwright is episode two of season two and A Star is Unborn is uh, episode seven of season yeah. two on the DVD. If That's I had to guess, I would probably say that the DVDs are doing it like they're doing it in broadcast order because they're showing the broadcast dates yeah. on them. Um, this might be their production order. 23 and 24 are like not quote unquote production order, but like we know that those are made, episodes made in season one. Yeah. That they, they held just, back. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be something of like now they're just kind of tacked on to the season one episodes. Yeah. So shall we dive into Fran Light? Yes. Let's do that. We open on the kitchen in the Maxwell house. Yeah, and there is uh, Fran and there's Niles and they are packing lunches because it's the start of school. Summer is over and it is the start of the new school year. That's right. Niles and Fran are so relieved that they get their days back because it's not like Fran's job is to be there for kids. Going back to school. Niles, mm-hmm. this sandwich feels a little stale. Well, I made them in June in anticipation of this blessed event. <laughs> and... Fran just chuckles to herself and then tosses them in the bag, and those children are going to die. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's uh, that. This is actually how uh, Maggie, Grace, and Brighton die. They just drop dead this episode because they have poisoned lunches. Yeah, they got moldy, moldy made in June lunches. Yeah, there's a great moment where each of the kids kind of comes into the kitchen one by one, and we're reintroduced to the children. Maggie walks in, and she's concerned about her parents because apparently that's how teenage girls are. She's tall; she's taller now than she was at yeah. the beginning of season one. And they, one. they and definitely they... seem to have used this little bit of like, "Oh, it's the first day after summer vacation" to explain why all the kids are much bigger now. Yeah, Gracie comes in, and she says she was on the phone with a therapist. I had the unicorn dream again last night, which is used as a fantastic opportunity for a dick joke yes and brighton teases maggie so like they just basically give you like here's the whole family dynamic yeah very very quickly great way to reintroduce the characters for the start of the new season Mm -hmm. um but then they leave that's it that's the end of the episode (laughs) Um, so what did you think of this one it's what i remember yeah they go away, and then Fran and Niles are talking about how happy they are about the fact that the kids aren't here anymore. That means no more uh, food being left around, and no more Nintendo. Niles has apparently bludgeoned the Nintendo to death. And I accidentally pounded it repeatedly with a meat mallet. Niles? Couldn't have thought of that two months ago. <laughs> Maybe this is a uniquely American thing, but I don't feel like anyone ever just ever called it, oh, it's a Nintendo. It's a Nintendo. I don't feel like that was a thing people did. I think that's a thing people talk about people having done. Like, oh, you know how parents say Nintendo to mean any games console? I I never had that experience. I mean, I had, like, my dad would do that. My dad has also played and, Nintendo, like, knows that they're different yeah. systems. But... I mean, it's it's not in the way that, like, pop culture makes make fun of it, where it's, like, you just point to the same thing over and over, and it's like, oh, it's a Nintendo. But someone saying, like, 
turn the Nintendo off or because you were talking in your family home about the Nintendo. There's probably like there's either one or two yeah. and the other one you're more likely to call a Game Boy. And also kind of if I say, oh, are you going to get the Nintendo? You know that I mean the Switch because that is the that is the Nintendo that is currently like that doesn't feel like an unnatural thing to me. Maybe. It just felt like very weird to me. It felt like this is one of those. This is how pop culture talks about a thing, but not necessarily how real people talk yeah. about it. Because you do it with all the the rest of them. Like you get the new PlayStation, you get the new Xbox. It seems like something in the formation of like because we do it with the other two brands, we... Also, shoehorn it in with mm. the third brand. Okay. That's not something that I... I mean, maybe... It's, again, it's probably a cultural thing yeah. as well. Because um, we didn't have the Sega does what Nintendo don't thing in the UK. That was just not so... And apparently, the Sega Genesis, which obviously was called the Mega Drive in the UK, much more popular in Europe, but m- pretty much everyone I knew had a Super Nintendo. A Nintendo mm. or a Super Nintendo. I, I think I can count on one hand the number of people I knew who had a Genesis. But anyway, so Niles and Fran are talking about how much better the house is without the kids in. Fran, it refers to the newspaper because apparently Maxwell, Chester Meffield is the third most eligible bachelor in New York. Yes. I don't remember the order in which uh, things happen. Then does Maxwell show up after this or Max- do they talk more? Maxwell so, so Maxwell walks in on them talking about this and he's so frustrated about it because he's getting phone calls and faxes. I do think he does mention emails. Yeah, that might. I mean, because also he's rich. There's a joke. Fran makes a joke about how the top two most eligible bachelors, if they met each other that Maxwell would shoot up to number one. And I think that might have been a homophobic joke, or it might have just been a horny joke. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, because they do spend a lot of time, like, emphasizing the name, so I do feel like that's part of the joke. Yeah. But I don't know if it is in, like, a homophobic way, or, like, I don't know the context for it, but the end is, oh, they're closeted, so they would just find each other. Yeah, which you know maybe that's perfectly fine for them. But yeah. I feel like the, and then the that's the is... new that was the new backdoor pilot to their thing. If they just someone who is down farther on the list of the most eligible bachelors is trying to get everyone above them to have their sexual awakening and then all date each other and turn it into a really fun reality show. Yeah, my two dads, the series, <laughs> the reality series. So Fran is telling Maxwell, you're the third most eligible bachelor in New York. You should get out there. You should start seeing people. Your wife is dead. She reminds him of that in case he's forgotten. And he says, well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to get out there. I think it's too soon. It's been five or six years uh, since then in the narrative. It definitely feels like they're also, this is a place as a refresher in season two. Here is where they are very actively putting on like that romantic element thing. And also establishing the cast like, oh, it's been five or six years. Because season one, they kind of like made him seem like he's a very like, very much a, a grieving widower. And this is kind of like an adjustment that they have. And now they're like, oh, no, it's been enough. Fran isn't like stepping in on anything. It's been plenty of time. Yeah, this, it seems like a lot of groundwork is being laid in this episode to make it clear that oh, it's not. It's not a case of 
oh, Sarah's body's barely cold and suddenly Fran Fine is jumping. Like, they're not doing that. They are. Yeah. They're, they're reminding us that she... That and, Sarah's been dead for a while. It's perfectly and, and, fine for Fran to be horny on me. In fairness, they're absolutely going to have that episode of the, like, oh, she's, she's barely dead. What are you doing? But they want to make it clear to the audience, like, they have assumed what the virtues of their audience are going to be. And it's like, let's make that okay. Yeah. So they make that okay. Then... The kids come home. Maggie and Gracie have both had wonderful days at school. Brighton comes home and says, I'm never going to school again. That's his exact yeah, that's his... voice. Nailed it. And then Fran's like, I will probably go back to school. What would, a, what would a Brighton accent like? Someone from Brighton, what would they sound like? I genuinely don't know. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> they, they don't exist. No, it's They just, don't talk. There are certain accents that we just don't really think about because they don't have any... At least I don't think about them. I don't want to speak for every British person in the universe, but there are certain accents that just don't have any texture to them. They're not, they don't really stick out in the memory in the same way that like a, a Liverpool accent does or a Yorkshire accent does or a, a you know, Cockney accent does. You know, these accents have particular sounds and cadence and tempo and texture. Mm-hmm. And Brighton is just a place where people live. Yeah. Or um, Sheffield. Or, uh, Sheffield sounds like Doctor Who right now. That's what <laughs> Jodie Whittaker sounds like. Right. This is going to be fun. But yeah, Fran is, is initially of a mind of, well, he'll go back to school, it's fine. Niles very quietly reminds her that if he doesn't go back to school, then Maxwell will have to hire a tutor, and that means Brighton will be home all the time. And Fran bolts up those fucking stairs. <laughs> I do have to say, by the way, Niles has some great moments in this episode. Yes. Like, lots of great little dialogue moments. A lot of what works with Niles in this episode is just kind of physicality and presence. Like, just mm-hmm. being present in the background. Yeah, it's almost like this isn't an animated thing, but you would... It's the kind of direction of, like, what is the best framing for yeah. you to be poking your head out of? Yeah. because And it's 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 perfect. Because we have you have the moment where Fran knocks on Brighton's door... And Fran says, do you want to talk about it? And Brighton says, no. And Fran is about to turn away. And there's Daniel Davis as Niles just in the background, like, doing a face. Yeah. And it's like, well, I guess I, Fran Fine, have to go into Brighton's room and have this conversation. So Fran goes in and asks what the problem is. And Brighton says, you wouldn't understand. It's a boy thing. Girls wouldn't understand. Fran makes the case that that's fucked up, actually. Actually. If you talk about it, you'll feel better. She also says, I'm not a woman, I'm a nanny. So I want to congratulate uh, Fran Fine at the beginning of season two for coming out as non-binary. I feel like that's a really cool thing. It does seem like she's still using she, her pronouns. Yeah, that's good. But I want to welcome her to the thought. You know what? That actually, if if Fran Fine is non-binary, that explains so many of her fashion choices. (laughs) Just so many of her shirts are like... It's all very bright. Bright colors, wonderful, wonderful tops, just vibrant. Like, this is, this is... Fran, Fran Fine, and by extension, Fran Drescher, does not dress like a straight person. No. Absolutely no. not. No. That that flannel shirt is at least a little bi-curious. <laughs> but eventually Brighton reveals what his problem is, and he says, Fran, I'm smaller than everyone else. Not a How? Just forget it. It's too humiliating. And Fran spends a little bit of time... 
like trying to figure out why that would be an issue. Mm. And then as soon as it clicks, she pulls a Lucille ball face. Yeah. It's it is. such a, I love Lucy I, face. Like, it's so much of like, I was sitting there analyzing how one does this. Cause again, I was high and was yeah. fixating on her, her mouth. And she's basically, she's pushing her tongue down, like into her bottom lip mm. to kind of like, uh, 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 and it makes like that really tiny O and that really yeah. long face. It's you know what it reminded me of. It reminds me of a lot of animations that people would do in Gary's Mod in the two thousands, where people would take like character models from like Half Life or uh, Team Fortress Two, and then very suddenly, like the face would just suddenly contort into this other face, yeah. and that's what it reminded me. Of. But it was such a great like. We really have to congratulate Fran Drescher for just being able to like do that turn on a dime and just that the, again. It's just the face, but it's such a brilliant bit of physicality. It's so good. It's so good. So she immediately goes to see Chester Meffield in Chester Meffield's office, which I have to point out, I think has been redecorated for this season. He has a bigger desk. I'm, I'm sure he has a bigger mm-hmm. desk, but at the very least it's positioned differently. A lot of this set, his office set, feels... It feels roomier. It feels roomier, so it feels like either they've kind of extended out part of the wall, or they've changed some of the furniture around, but either way... Yeah, I think it's one of those things, like, they've technically kept everything in the same place, but, like, extended it yeah. just, like, a few inches, so that it, like, it doesn't seem like a perceptible difference, yeah. but if if you know what you're looking for, then you catch it, of like, oh, it just feels roomier. Yeah, it, it reminds me of some of the later seasons of You're the Worst, when they're filming in, I forget the name of the guy's apartment... But for the first, like, three or four seasons, they were filming in an actual house in, I think, Silver Lake. Mm-hmm. And then for the last two or three seasons, they they built a house in a studio. Yeah. And for the studio house, they made everything deliberately just a little bit bigger, so they had more room to film in. Yeah, which, I mean, made it, like, like oh, now they have party seeds in this place. Yeah, because they can, because they have the room now. Um, but that's kind of what it, I think it may just be like the camera was pulled out a little further. They had a little bit more floor room to play with, but it looks great. Yeah. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me of them being like, oh, hey, this is a set that we're using constantly. Let's make it a little less cramped. Yeah. And they just make it look a little nicer on cameras because it just, it just has a little bit more. It feels darker, but in a good way. Like mm-hmm. they've changed the Like wood. more in a fancy dark instead yeah. of a, we, we can't, we haven't changed the light bulb that's yeah. dying. It's like a deep, rich mahogany. Like that's yeah that that's that yeah. noise. Um, so Fran comes in and uh, Cece's in there. Niles comes in with her, and Fran's basically say, "Hey, uh, we have to talk about your son's dick." Uh, Mr. Sheffield, I'm sorry to bother you, but we've got a problem, and boy, you are never gonna guess this one. Just make it short. <laughs> you. Can- <laughs> You guessed. Yeah, and uh, there's like a couple more back and forth things, and when he finally gets it, he kicks everyone else out of the room. Well, Cece yeah. says, does Niles have to be here? And then Maxwell says, well, yeah, sure, you can both go. And then Niles has that great line on the way out of, well, now you've ruined it for everybody. <laughs> it's actually kind of refreshing to see that kind of interaction between Niles and Cece, because in the first season, Niles is just so constantly cruel to her Mm -hmm. this feels like two kids who've caught 
being yeah. in trouble. Like, oh, you're not supposed to be in here. You better get out. Which was nice. It's kind of a different dynamic. Yeah, it's like making the transition from it's not outright hatred. It's just kind of it's a there's an enmity, but there's not a vitriol. Yeah, it's like a, like a rivalry. Yeah, kind of like an annoyance with each other. Yeah, but not like a bitter hatred. Yeah. So Fran explains what the issue is. And again, the whole time they're kind of... I told you about this. So I actually paused yeah, the episode. Yeah, you paused it. And, and you, I, you, call, you called your shot. Yeah, I said, it seems like this whole episode, they're talking about Brighton's dick. And no one's had the misunderstanding of, oh, well, you think you're smaller than everyone else. That's fine. You're short now. You'll, 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 you know, you'll grow as you get older. No one's done that misunderstanding. So I bet that's the joke in that they think he's talking about his beepus, but he's actually talking about the fact that he's shorter than everyone else in the room. As we won't, we won't spoil it in case this is also your first episode. You can find out whether Ben was right. Yeah. You just pause this, watch the rest of the episode, and then come back. Either call Ben a dummy or go, ooh, you got it. Yeah. Don't know what that noise was. Um, so Maxwell says he'd better have a conversation with Brighton, which he tries to do. Actually, let's just drop that conversation in here. I think we should have a little talk. I mean, not a little talk. <laughs> well, it, it might it might start out little, but get big later. Well, not, that a, not that a big talk is necessarily any better than a little talk. The, the size of the talk is really not important. Uh, any questions so far? Have you seen my Nintendo? <laughs> it's such a great little conversation because they're having the conversation about the thing without actually having the conversation about it in a way that to Maxwell seems kind of obvious and apparent and to Brighton is still kind of, I don't know what you're talking about. Because again, he's not talking about his dick. The whole time he hasn't been talking about his dick. Yeah. No, he's never been talking about his dick. And that's why we don't use euphemisms yeah. for your pingle. Yeah. Just call it what it is. A beepus. Yeah. A, a dingle dongle. A peepee. A, a wampa. No, that's a Pokemon. Never mind. Okay. Uh, so we get to see Val. Val's back. Yeah, and it is the most fucking JoJo's outfit. <laughs> I, just look up JoJo's and you will see it. Yeah. So Fran and Val are getting ready for a night on the town and they're both kind of dressed up and Maxwell's sitting on the couch after having had his conversation with Brighton and Fran is loudly talking about how sad it is that he's so lonely and he's this eligible bachelor, but he won't allow himself to go out and meet people. Even though it's been so long and any reasonable person would agree that he should be out on the town and finding love with new people, right audience? And shockingly, Fran's voice... Carrie. Then she blamed Val. Yeah. And they talk him actually into going into this nightclub. Come with us to a nightclub. Have a night out. You never know you might meet someone. And Val asks, well, actually, how are we going to meet anyone if we have this guy with us? Yeah. And Fran says, Oh, just one last thing. You don't know us. We never seen you before. And I might have to tell a few people you're gay. And then they're just in line outside the nightclub. Yeah, they get in line. Uh, Maxwell is uh, trying to ask. And of course, they're shoving him off the entire time. He's asking, like, oh, what do you, like, when do we get in? He's like, oh, we don't get in. We never get in. It's never happened. We just, we just stand outside. Yeah. I guess that's why they are doing, uh, I mean, more than usual, they're all dressed to the nines of, like, whenever, when the bouncer does pass, they're always, like, trying to look cute and try to get pulled out of the line yeah. to actually go, like, 
into the place. And the only person that happens for is Maxwell, who's wearing, by the way, a not very clubby just suit. No, but they can immediately tell, like they say, like Maxwell Sheffield, like yeah. they know they know he money. Yeah. So Maxwell gets to come in. Fran and Val are like, oh no, Mr. Sheffield, us too. And then Mr. Sheffield says, uh, no, don't know them. <laughs> Never saw them. Perfect strangers. Oh, and I might be gay. <laughs> it's so good. It's so funny. It was just absolutely hilarious. Because it's it's definitely given with the delivery of like him proud of himself of like oh I got I got it I got it like this these were the words and at the end be like and I remember I remember the gay bit I got it I got y'all. It's Manuel in Faulty Towers saying I know nothing. <laughs> and then we we do a little time skip forward to Val and Fran still in the line. Folding chairs now. They've got donuts. They've very clearly gone to use the bathroom. It is talk the, about the, the way that they had used the donuts. They got the... The, 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 the cream je- filled. Yeah, the cream filled. And they just suck it out of the donut. And what a visual. Like, what, a, I was, what a treat. I was trying to figure out what the logic was. And I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know if based on the years, it might be like an Atkins joke of like, don't have carbs. So don't eat the bread of the donut. Yeah, this, just suck the jelly This is 1994, inside. so I think it predates Atkins as as a cultural phenomenon, but I do think the, you know, don't eat carbs thing was still very much a thing in 94. So I think that, I think that's very much the joke. And it's a great visual gag. Maxwell comes out and says he's having a great time. He's met someone. I'm just going to go get her so you can meet her. Fran makes a joke about, oh, he's so naive. I half expect him to come at RuPaul. And instead he comes out with another Fran fine. Yeah. Which the titular Fran light. I actually, will. I feel like that, improves kind of the RuPaul joke as a reference because mm. first it starts off in like the implications like oh he's so dumb that he would get a drag queen like kind of like yeah. it is a somewhat transphobic joke but then bringing the the titular frame light someone who looks like Fran was like oh this is in the purest form this is a drag queen this is a uh, presumably like the actress is this woman doing Fran Drescher drag yeah but the point is there and that makes that joke a bit better like I don't know like I don't want to give them credit of like oh actually you made the joke non-transphobic actually we've been very progressive this entire time fuck you you're all the offensive one but there's some fridge logic that makes it like no the joke is that Maxwell was in fact fooled because he brought out a drag queen I won't lie there was a a moment because they did the RuPaul joke and because the way um, this scene is shot. I did initially think it has Maxwell come out with a drag queen. I, di- I the, the the Fran connection yeah. didn't click with me because we had an, we have an ad break. Just immediately, there's this other Fran fine, and then ad break, and your brain doesn't really get a chance to process everything that you're looking at. Or mine didn't because I'm a dummy, dummy, dum dum. So when we come back from the ad break and they're talking, and that's when I realized, oh, it's not that he's brought out a drag queen. It's that he's brought out another Fran. Yeah, he's brought he's brought out a Fran Drusher drag act. And the, the idea here is it's exactly the same as when Friends did uh, Rachel started dating that guy who looked and acted almost exactly yeah. like Ross. It was the same thing. Uh, there's a later scene where Niles uh, comments on it and is fantastic and we will talk about it. Yes. Um, yeah, so they present uh, this this new not Fran woman. Yeah, we cut to the house uh, the next day and Maxwell's talking about how he's planning on taking... Uh, she he, she has a name, and I cannot remember what her name is. Fran 2. Fran 2. Fran. Uh, 2 Fran 2 Furious. 
Uh, two friend, two fine. No. Nope. <laughs> He's she's coming over and she comes over and her and Fran hit it off immediately. Yeah, it is an interesting thing on this of like, I feel like the times that I have seen this, like my my point of reference for this is the Gossip Girl episode where Chuck and Blair do this to each other. They find each other uh, a perfect date and it is someone exactly like them. Typically, there is some animosity there, but like Fran and uh, to Fran get on like perfectly yeah they're they're happy they're swapping fashion tips they're trying on each other's shoes they have the exact same laugh the exact same taste in fashion to the point where when she shows up niles immediately goes to get cc niles what is so damn important hi good god it's multiplying This is a scene that I can definitely feel like Fran Drescher's enjoying herself because she she obviously knows like the persona that she has kind of yeah. made and now they've made like this like parody of her basically yeah. and you can really kind of like feel the energy from her of just kind of enjoying this of like getting this chance of like making fun of herself basically. Yeah. There is a sequence uh, where Maxwell is in the kitchen talking to Niles. And he's talking, Maxwell's talking about how much fun he's having with two Fran. And Niles goes to pick up a pan on the stove and burns his hand. And he has this whole bit about uh, he should have used the oven mitt and he used the uh, the dishcloth. And they're actually, they're so similar. They're so similar. And like, it's just, it's not until he put the two together that he realized he should have used the oven mitt the whole time, which and was right under his was- nose. And Maxwell doesn't get it. He does. It's the thing I love about this is that Niles is the audience. Niles exists kind of in a quantum state outside of yeah, the narrative. It's, it's getting a like a Shakespearean trained actor to shout the thing that the audience has been doing, <laughs> and it is lovely. It's wonderful. It is like it's very especially watching the watch the Star Trek the Moriarty thing and be like, oh yeah, and then you just went from this directly on to Star Trek, right? Yeah, it's perfect. The thing I love about this is when you have an episode like this where all of the characters on on the show kind of have to, like, dial their intelligence down a little bit to not realize what is happening. And with Niles, this is, in this episode, Niles is like, he becomes the watcher from What If? And he can see all (laughs) of the pieces on the board. And it's like, how do you not fucking see that Too Fran, Too Fine is just Fran? The titular Fran Light. The script we've been reading is called Fran Light. How do you not see... How have you not made that connection? So Maxwell goes off on his date. And then he comes back. I'm sure some stuff happens. Oh, yeah. The kids come home from school. Brighton's in a really cheery mood. So Fran does what every good nanny does and smells the boy's clothes. Yeah, it's a it's a whole scene. It's supposed to be a light detective bit. But also she did just, like, take a boy's, uh, like, undershirt and sniff it most heartily. And then talk about how she knows what a sweaty man smells like. I know what like. a sweaty man s- smells like. And also I've spent a good deal of this episode talking about his beepus. Like, Fran, why are the... They're really emphasizing the why are you allowed near children yeah bit. this is and this is why you go for a board certified nanny you don't hire a, a, a someone who got hooked into an mlm <laughs> so they don't uh sniff your child's shirt to figure out how big his penis is yeah so she goes and confronts brighton and uh tells him you know you skipped class she says she used to do it, but it's it can't be that bad. And this is where Brighton reveals... Even if I grow another foot, I'll still be smaller than most of the guys. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Another foot? What kind of school is this? And he's very clearly talking about the fact that he's shorter than everyone else. Yeah. This is when it all clicks for Fran. This is where the obvious joke earlier... This is why it doesn't happen. Yeah, because it's happening like they have made it the big joke. They've they've spent so much time focusing on this 12-year-old boy's dick that they haven't realized maybe he's just realized he's shorter than everyone else. And that's a problem Fran can deal with because you're going to get taller, idiot. Like, yeah, you're, but- you're a growing lad. Eat your vegetables. Yeah. Drink it- your Ovaltine. But now uh, Brighton has caught on to the fact that everyone was nervous about a different problem. Yeah. And he wants to know what that issue was. So it is the, it is the hilarious bit of, oh, from your own trying to... It's the story of Oedipus all over again, of you trying to prevent a disaster and you cause it to occur. Oh, yeah, that hot Oedipus uh, thinking that uh, that he's too short and everyone's so obsessed about his dick <laughs> and he doesn't know what to do that with it. That he's going to marry his mom, so and he's, he's going to marry Fran. Yeah. I mean, that le- actually, legally, that's probably fine. He will have to wait a couple of years. <laughs> Maxwell comes back from his date. Morally dubious. It's morally dubious. Maxwell comes back from his date, and he doesn't seem to have had an entirely great time. Oh, you didn't like her? Gee, I thought her charm was only exceeded by her beauty. (laughs) Oh, she had a certain way about her. There was just something missing. Hmm. Like ordering champagne and getting ginger ale. You know, they look alike, but don't make you feel the same. They have a moment, him and Fran, and uh, Maxwell talks about, well, the, the one good thing out of this is that you, you you encourage me to get out of my rut and get out into the world again, and I'm, I, I'm really thankful for that. Thereby opening up the chessboard. Or opening the chessboard for more of the... What if we fucked routine? Yeah. Um, and Fran kind of laments because Two Fran, Too Fine was going to hook her up with her, uh, her English boss, who has two kids. Which, uh, she's not sure that she, she's... Not sure that she can get used to like the going through the whole the whole plot. Yeah, like he is also rich, which is a version of this that I have seen. Yeah, uh, but I kind of liked it as like it's just a hint because like doing yeah. it too much is just like it's a. It kind of once they show the second person, it is rarely funnier than the joke the first time. Yeah. So I appreciate that they just mention it and let us picture it. Yeah, because that's that's funny on the so and it's also funny that she's also kind of making the the same kind of genre blind observation that Maxwell's made yeah not knowing what she's talking or maybe she is to kind of tease like it's kind of it's a little ambiguous which yeah I like. like that is kind of something of I mean you can see in the first season like she makes a lot of like teasing like hints to that yeah uh, but then the, like somewhat like are they playing her as oblivious or are they playing her like because it is Fran Drescher and everyone knows that this is her body like she can kind of wink to the audience yeah but I don't know if it's the character winking yeah as well and and it's one of those things where I I'm not as familiar with the nanny you have pointed out that you've seen the first season a lot but haven't necessarily seen anything past that or haven't got well like, I haven't this is my first time kind of watching like all in the, order yeah. all of the first season um but other than that if I've just seen yeah various episodes like randomly in syndication so you're not probably not aware of how the chessboard gets kind of set up over yeah the next I just episodes, know that it sequence. does yeah so that's going to be interesting to to see. And that's it. We get some outtakes of Fran Drescher fumbling over the line of smelling the sweaty boy's clothes. Possibly because the lack of aroma was just too much, too overwhelming for her. She got to <laughs> sniff a small boy's clothes. No, and there was nothing there. There was nothing there. What a, what a moment. What a waste. Uh, <laughs> horrible. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. What did you think? What did you think of Fran Light? 
Uh, I enjoyed this episode. Like, it's a good, like, back to form, like, kind of just, like, getting back into it. Here's the yeah. introduction as everyone. And I'd said earlier today I'm feeling the Wii, but that was when I, like, it felt. And everything got very slow, and so it made the show feel very slow to me. Okay. But I realized that was probably weed. A lot of this is is principally dialogue like there's yeah. not a lot of things happening but yeah this i think this is a really good kind of e- like great season premiere it's fun it's uh it only has one additional set like it's almost a bottle episode but we have the set that they built for the exterior of the nightclub mm-hmm. and um, it and i do kind of feel like perhaps with the, like they have adjusted it slightly since they've had they've had a bit of time to kind of yeah if not rebuild a set, but then just kind of like, oh, it would be a little easier for us if this were moved back slightly. What I feel like, and I may be wrong, like I, I would love to like compare shots between season one and season two. I feel like they've made a lot of the house sets just bigger generally. Yeah. Because I do feel like that living room space is a little bit bigger as well. Mm-hmm. So may, it could be a thing of, well, this season actually we can move you into a different studio. You're going to have a little bit more room to play with. Um, the exterior nightclub scene that set feels roughly on par with the size of like um the bridal yeah. shop scene a uh, bridal shop set like in terms of like dim- like width and depth and so mm-hmm. on so that's kind of a typical space but it feels like that the the standing sets that they would have for the the house certainly seem to have been given a little bit of a boost and i think that's great i think yeah. a, a little bit more room to play with um in terms of production there were a few moments in this episode where I can still tell it's still it's still definitely being shot on video. And I don't know if this was just the DVD encode. I would love to kind of have a look at HBO Max, but not so much that I'm actually going to do it. Um, but there are a few moments where on the DVD, at least, it looked like it was going at 30 frames, not 60. Hmm. Um, that was predominantly the nightclub bit felt to me like it wasn't video. I mean, it looked like it was video, but like it had frames dropped, mm-hmm. which is interesting because... A lot of British TV shows, particularly sitcoms, but anyone who watches classic Doctor Who will also be aware of this, studio stuff would be shot on video at 50 because it was PAL, and then location stuff would be shot on film at 25. Hmm. So when they go to a location, there is a noticeable kind of improvement in picture quality because they're no longer being shot in video. Mm-hmm. So it felt almost like and i don't i don't think it was intentional and i suspect it's probably just a quirk of how the dvd was authored but it felt like they were to me that read as they're trying to recreate a location scene in a studio which doctor who used to do frequently they would shoot internal studio scenes on film so that the audience thinks this is a location shot but i don't think that an american production is going to be doing but that's where my head went with it Uh, did you have anything that you wanted to comment on with regards to the production of this episode I no, I don't. I don't know <laughs> stuff um, as much as you do because I don't have as much familiarity with it. What was kind of interesting to me is that so much of this episode they kind of reintroduce everyone in like what their whole thing is, except for Cece. Cece's only mm. thing is like, and they do say her because they introduce her to somebody else. Like, oh, this is uh, uh, Maxwell's business partner, and then she does a catty thing with Niles. And Fran also kind of makes fun of her. Yeah, you're right. And part of me, I have a theory about this. And I think it's because this is kind of the reframing of how we want Cece's character to be. Mm. Because before she was very much like, we had talked about how it there was like the, the tension between uh, Maxwell and Cece, which they then play it as like, oh, Cece just has feelings and it's entirely one-sided. But that pilot episode like implies that they had more of a 
somewhat relationship. Yeah. Um, I feel like they're kind of abandoning that and using this as kind of like, here's a fresh reminder of who she is. Like, there's the info that you mean of that she's she's quippy and she's here because she's Maxwell's business partner and we're not going to mention the in love, uh, love with him stuff because then we can also kind of ease that off. Yeah. A little bit. Like, I'm curious to see how that will go for the rest, of the, the rest of the season. Like, I know they do still make references to it, but I feel like they're not emphasizing it as yeah, much. Yeah, I agree. I think the closest we get to, like, an overt reference to it is when Maxwell says that he's going to go out and start seeing people. And she says... Well, I think it's very distasteful of Maxwell to be dating so soon. Isn't a decade the standard period of mourning? <laughs> Die and let's find out. Uh, we don't really get anything more. I think that's interesting for a, a, the season premiere that we have basically one of the leads. She's credited in the opening titles. And we, if this is your first episode of The Nanny, which it might be, it's a season premiere, you don't know really who she is. Yeah, which to me makes it seem like, oh, because we want you to know her, like kind of just figure it out from the lines that she's saying. Yeah. And not as much of like everyone else, we have kind of established what their role is. And so we can proudly say it. And but we haven't quite figured hers out, so we'll quietly say. It. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing with Cece this season. Whether they've already figured out what they want to do with her, and they they just haven't started this episode, or whether they're still trying to like figure out the character again. I think that will be that will be very interesting. So there we are. Uh, what are we watching next week? Next week we are watching. The playwright. In order to teach Brighton a lesson on dating, Fran goes out with the man, guest star Richard Kind, she rejected in high school. Oh, apparently it came out on my second birthday. Oh, happy, happy birthday, happy Mandy. Happy birthday. Baby Mandy. Uh, we haven't mentioned this. We're recording this on Halloween. Ooh. We are uh, clearly very interesting Halloween people. Ooh. I mean, we went to a Halloween party yesterday. We went to a Halloween terrifying. party yesterday. And also I was in a whole ass performance on Friday. And we were both in a whole ass performance. Yeah. We were also in it. Yeah, you mentioned that on uh, on the previous episode where you mentioned you'd be doing this poll yeah. show. Um, but I did it. You did it but really well. Lots of lots of woos from the audience. It was a lot of fun. Um, I did not get covered in fake blood. Yeah. Because you couldn't pop that capsule. No. That's nobody's fault. I tried. But uh, you did uh, leave big lipstick marks on my neck. I did. I did end up washing off. But that was a fun night. It was a really good time. And it's gone. It's gone, gone. forever. You can't, you can't do it anymore. Um, but what we can do is talk about the show and your involvement in it, listener. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Out on Her Fanny. If you enjoy the show, do please talk about us on social media. Let your friends and your family know. Itty bitty independent podcasts like ours live and die by word of mouth. And we would certainly appreciate yours. You can find the podcast online. We are at oofcast.com. That's O-O-H-F-Cast.com. Mandy, where can people find this podcast on the socials? Uh, you can find us at Out on Her Fanny on twitter instagram and facebook yes and where can they find you on social media uh you can find me at mandy quesadilla on the same places uh twitter instagram facebook i also kind of want to say uh if any of you are weebs and uh can live live or can be near uh anime nyc uh maybe look at that 
<laughs> uh, Maybe look at that for reasons that uh, they're not promoting yet. <laughs> yes, I am Ben Padden. I'm at Ben Padden on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, sort of. Um, in terms of things I'm doing, if you are in the Los Angeles area, I will be participating in a geek-themed comedy show, the Moss Eisley Cantina Comedy Show, I believe is what it's called. Um, that will be happening at the Goodnight Karaoke Bar in Burbank on November the 6th. Doors open at 6, show starts at 7, it's $5 a ticket. Uh, you can get your ticket at the link in my bio on Instagram and Twitter. There's a link to my link tree, and I think it's the top link. Or you can just look at my Instagram, there's a QR code there. And I'll be doing geeky stand-up. It's my first stand-up show yeah. since, since the pandemic. I'm very, very nervous. Yeah, in a minute. Yeah, it's been a while, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to try to do some open mics this week. So yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Thank you very much for listening to Out on Her Fanny. A podcast about the nanny. I've been Ben. I've been Mandy. And, and yes, yes, we, we do, do know, know it, it means, means vagina. vagina. Grand